You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. As a new business owner, we generally fall into this trance of, I'm starting a business, I'm so excited, so let me work on my website, let me work on branding, let me figure out packaging, let me find a manufacturer, let me find these things, let me find a platform. All the things that don't really matter. For me, after failing my first business, I realized that the one thing I did not do was talk to my customers. I didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. I guessed at me. I just guessed, oh, well, I have this problem. So most people must have the same problem. And so for me, I am a strong proponent of launching anything, like not launching anything to market without first understanding that people would pay you for it. And one of the blueprints that I do teach in my program is that that whole entire, like the first couple of modules are really focused on understanding who your customer is and validating your offer before you tell anyone about what you're trying to sell. Because if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And so I would say for me, it's just really taking the time to do that customer research. Yes, it's not sexy. Yes, you know, it's like, ugh, I don't want to talk to people. (laughs) But you kind of have to do it. You have to do it because when you speak to your customers, you learn a lot about their problem. Hello, hello, it's Naomi here. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast, where I talk to creatives and founders about their purpose and how they navigate living on their own terms. As you know, I also package these episodes into show notes that break down the conversation, provide links to resources and people that we mentioned in the episode, and very practical ways to explore yourself and your creativity. So make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. I've dropped the link in the description box. Enjoy this week's episode. All right. Hey, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I am joined by the incredible, and as you listen to the episode, you're going to be like, oh my god, this woman is amazing, uh, <laughs> Victory Omateo. So Victory, uh, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Naomi. I'm really excited for this episode. <laughs> Yay! So for some context for everyone, Victory is an entrepreneur and business coach who is on a mission to essentially demystify entrepreneurship as a means of propelling women forward into business ownership. She is the creator of a program called Knowledge to Profit, which is a group intensive program that helps new coaches create and launch a profitable beta program within eight weeks. And beyond this, you know, she doesn't just run her own business. She's also an impact investor sits on the board of advisory for an Ivy League University's Women Entrepreneurship Program, and also heads the business development efforts at a startup that is based in San Francisco. So before we get started, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you grew up, family life, do you have any siblings? Um, Yeah, so origin story. Um, So I was born in Nigeria, and I have three sisters, so I am the first of four. We joke around because my dad is literally the only guy in my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I grew up in Nigeria. I did my primary school there. And then I uh, moved to the UK when I was the age of 11. And I was there for about seven years, I believe. And so I did my secondary school in the UK. And then I moved to Canada at the age of, uh, how old was I? 16, 17? So yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. 16, 17. I moved to Canada and I was in Canada for pretty much my adult life. (laughs) And then I recently moved to the U.S. last year. So I moved around a lot, actually, now that I think about it. I would say for me, you know, with my family, with all girls, we have just been 
very, very ambitious. And I would say we're ambitious because we grew up with a mom who, you know, was somehow a kid of four amazing kids, um, I'm sorry, a mother of amazing kids, and also still had her own business. And so growing up in that environment really shaped the way I thought about my life as to when I grow up and who I wanted to be. Um, I think really shook the norm of, you know, the man is supposed to be the provider and the woman just stays home. You know, both my parents were working and my mom was one who actually had a business and my dad had the nine to five. So really amazing growing up in that type of environment for me. And I've, I mean, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship when I was in, yeah, when I was in, in secondary school in the UK, I would literally charge my friends to do their hair because <laughs> it was like, I could do it for free or I could get paid. <laughs> and so I've just kind of had that you know, that mindset growing up. And I would say that mindset kind of shifted a bit when I went to Canada um, and I went to university. I guess like I just started to, I wouldn't say it was an identity crisis, but I just wasn't sure what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. The one thing that I was sure of was to be an actress, which is interesting because now I'm like, I cannot imagine my life that way. So I wanted to be an actress for a long time. And when I went to university, I actually went to university against my own will. I wanted to go straight to acting school. My parents, being Nigerian, were like, nope, you need a degree. So I had to take sociology. Um, and I always tell people this because it's funny, but I literally chose my degree based on the highest grade I had from my high school report card. Oh, really? Yeah, it was that. Like, I was not in the mood. I was just not trying to go. I was like, nope, I want to be an actress. And so I took sociology just because, you know, again, it was the highest grade. But I'm very grateful because it really, again, shaped me to who I am today. Um, and I feel like mm -hmm. the kind of thought process and the diversity of thought that I bring to my role um, in my company, in my business, in society in general is because of that um, undergraduate degree. And yeah, I mean, I graduated from school and wasn't making as much money as I wanted to. I think there was a general misconception when you go to university that because you have a degree, a company will pay you at least $60,000 when you graduate. That was my thought process until I realized that life was just not simple. So I was working jobs that paid me $11 an hour. Um, I think the most I got paid was $14 an hour. And that was the time I decided to go back to school and I took my master's degree. Um, so master's in business, entrepreneurship and technology. And mm -hmm. that was when I feel like I finally understood who I was meant to be and what I'm supposed to be. And that entire part transitioned into who I am today, really, with my business, um, the kind of things I do outside of my business, the companies I work for. There's just a lot that shifted into my personal mission based on that going to school and really understanding who is, who is Victory? And who do you want to be known for? So now I have a business. I still work full time. So I do both. <laughs> I don't know how sometimes. And yeah, that's that's my origin story, really. Very cool. You know what? what's interesting is I did not know that you studied sociology in school, but I think that definitely maps to the way that, you know, even in our conversations over the phone and in person, it definitely makes sense that that's sort of the way that you see the world or it's part of your perspective. And especially, you know, you, we didn't talk about this at all in your bio, but you started a community initially for women entrepreneurs. So do you want to talk a little bit about what drew you to bringing women together? And, and has that at all shaped your identity even moving to the U.S.? Um, yeah, I would say, um, so yeah, the business that uh, the community now is talking about is 24 hour women. And I started 24 hour women after my second business. So I started my first business and I failed. And I, I love to say this because it took me a while to really say the word fail, just mm -hmm. because of the way society is, you can't fail, you have to succeed. And so I failed my first business and 
And then I started my second business and really just t- taking the mistakes and the learnings along the way from my first business really helped me understand that there isn't really a blueprint out there, especially for women. It's hard to start a new business because you go on Google and you type how to start a business and you're literally there's thousands of articles telling you do it this way, do it that way, do it this way, do it that way. And for me, I really wanted to create like an environment where we can just simplify that whole thing. It's like entrepreneurship is not as scary as the articles online make it seem, right? There's all these statistics out there that are thrown in your face that really just discourages you. Like if you want to start a business, it's hard to believe in yourself enough when you have all these resources online telling you the stats on how many businesses fail. Why do we focus on that part of business versus the other side of it, right? And so when I thought about 24-hour women, I looked at my environment, I looked at where I started, I looked at where I was, and I said to myself, there needs to be a society for women to gather and be okay, and just be comfortable and say, you know what, I'm here to share my failures, I'm here to share my wins, um, and just really support each other as we start this journey of, you know, if you're starting a business or if you already have a business. And so I would say like that entire thing has really shaped me into who I am today and also shaped me into, you know, when I created Knowledge to Profit. I really wanted to provide that simplified yet effective blueprint for women specifically who were looking to start a business, who were looking to bet on themselves and say, you know what, I am capable and I am ready. So that's how 24 Women really shaped um, where I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not only the stats around, you know, how many businesses fail, you know, the average number of years that, you know, these companies are in the market before things go south, but it's also the stats around, you know, how few women entrepreneurs there are and how much funding, like if you're talking in the VC space, actually go to women-led businesses, essentially. So I think it was really important for you to bring, you know, these conversations to the forefront and not just in an online virtual space, but also in person and by hosting events and um, bringing that community together. So Yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. And right now, so you did mention that you moved to the U.S. recently. Yes. And right now we're July. It's actually, um, interestingly enough, Independence Day in the U.S. Um, (laughs) for, For you, what was that journey like moving to the U.S.? What were some of the questions that you that you asked yourself about this next move? Because I know you've been you know, it wasn't an idea that sort of came from nowhere. It actually, yeah. you had been thinking about it for a number of years, right? So can you talk a little bit about maybe the steps that you intentionally took to make this a reality and and how the expectations sort of met your current uh, space and where you are right now? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, moving to the U.S., it was... It was very intentional for me. I, you know, it's funny. I always try to think about it. I'm like, was there a specific reason why I actually wanted to move here, right? Besides the weather, of course, because I, I wish there was a place in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> not Vancouver, that didn't have snow, you know? So, um, but I would say for me, it was just more of, of the kind of environment that I wanted to surround myself in. I would say that mm. prior to doing my master's degree, I was, I didn't really have the environment that I felt like I needed to foster myself and grow into myself and so after being in that environment in that space in just like the tech space um because my business what my, my my program was focused on you know obviously like being an entrepreneur but also we learned about the tech environment um and you know how mm-hmm. vcs think and just things like that really shifted my perspective and i feel like again i mention this all the time my master's degree was where i found myself and so knowing that that environment was what i needed to foster my growth um i said to myself you know what 
there is a place called San Francisco and it's Silicon Valley and everyone talks about how great it is. And, you know, I feel like being there would really help me become who I wanted to be. And so for me, I mapped out a plan and I said, you know what, if I want to move to the U.S., these are the things that I need to do. Um, first, obviously, I took my master's degree, so I had that on my resume, but I still didn't have a job at a tech company. I, I, I mean, again, I took sociology. I worked odd jobs, right? I think the most job I could say was kind of aligned was working, you know, at a retail company, um, like like tech retail company, but not really. So I mapped out a plan and I said to myself, okay, I need to work at specific companies that I feel like will boost my resume. And so it's so funny because even by doing that, I literally accepted being underpaid at my tech jobs. And I was okay with it because I knew I had a plan and I knew the plan was to move. And I knew that if I had these companies on my resume, I would be able to get a job in the United States. And I did, you know, coupled with my, my master's degree, but also the experiences that I had gained in these companies really helped bolster my resume and get me to where I am today. So I would say for me, it was just a journey of knowing the destination and knowing where I was headed and being okay with what my current situation was like, because I knew the end result would get me what I really truly wanted was to be here. But mm-hmm. now that I'm here, <laughs> um, yeah, I think America is a very interesting, interesting place. Um, obviously, for me, like one thing that is keeping me here as well is my husband. But I will say that my perspective has changed a bit. I think that in general, we, we, we kind of want things until we get it. And then we're like, oh, okay, there's, there's a lot more to it than I initially um, imagined. I would say right now, I still love San Francisco. Um, I love the people. I love a lot of things about it but I would say the state of the country in itself is having me in my mind think about okay is this the right step for me is this where I want to be in the next five years where do I want to raise my kids you know I moved here for selfish reasons I wanted to pursue my own ambitions but now that I have a family coming up right what do I really like what's that next phase and what's that next stage for me as an individual and for my family so definitely a lot of internal conversations going on about where I want to be in the next couple of years but I will say being here is something I can officially say to myself you did it (laughs) so that's amazing victory and you know you briefly mentioned not having necessarily a traditional tech background or degree yeah but, you know, you had your eyes set on this company in, you know, a Canadian company, very lucrative, is doing it really well right now. And, you know, what was your pathway? What was your pathway into this business? And for folks who may be thinking, yeah, I do want to work in technology, but I have a, a social sciences degree. What would be some of your some of the things or insights that will that were helpful for for you in terms of getting into the space. Yeah, one thing I would say is betting on yourself and giving yourself the experience that you don't have. So one thing that really helped me, even with my sociology degree, was because I had started businesses. Whether it's a side hustle, something you can start to really, because again, with tech companies, it's not really about your, it's not really about your resume or your degree. It's more about your character and you showing specific attributes that they're looking for. And for me personally, I knew that and I was able to beef up my resume with my personal experiences, not even my I don't even, did I mention sociology in my degree? I don't remember. I think I did, but it was probably like at the bottom of my resume because right. I, was, I didn't want them to focus on that. I wanted them to focus on the things I had started with my businesses. And I was not afraid to tell them that, yeah, I filled my first business, but I started the second one. It was successful. I sold it. Um, and then really just like showing the characters that I knew they would look for in someone where it's like, whether it's like acting like an owner, you know, someone who will really take 
take charge, someone who would uh, step up, like someone who would just whatever that capability is that they're looking for in someone for a tech company. Um, I mm-hmm. made sure that I did the work outside of my desk right. to get that onto my resume and use that as leverage to get those interviews and then use my personality to get the job. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's what I had to do to get out of that sociology degree um, and into the tech companies. So. Mm-hmm. And I think there's yeah. also an advantage of having a sociology or even like a, a psych background is your insight into uh, human behavior and how because that's a big part of even building you know a product or a service right yeah and yeah. Um, so there's something to be said about using whatever education you have and even what victory what you did in terms of creating your own opportunities is is really powerful right and it speaks volumes about your current journey and where you are right now um, can you also talk a little bit about, based on your conversations through your program, through the program that you created, what would you say is the number one thing that people often overlook when starting a business or a new venture? Yeah, I would say the importance of their customers. As a new business owner, we generally fall into this trance of, I'm starting a business. I'm so excited. So let me work on my website. Let me work on branding. Let me figure out packaging. Let me find a manufacturer. Let me find these things. Let me find a platform. All the things that don't really matter. Um, For me, after failing my first business, I realized that the one thing I did not do was talk to my customers. I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. I guessed at me. I just guessed, oh, well, I have this problem. So most people must have the same problem. And so for me, I am a strong proponent of launching anything, like not launching anything to market without first understanding that people would pay you for it. And one of the blueprints that I do teach in my program is that that whole entire, like the first couple of modules are really focused on understanding who your customer is and validating your offer before you tell anyone about what you're trying to sell. Because if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And so I would say for me, it's just really taking the time to do that customer research. Yes, it's not sexy. Yes, you know, it's like, ugh, I don't want to talk to people. But you kind of have to do it. You have to do it because when you speak to your customers, you learn a lot about their problem. And I tell my students this all the time. I'm like, the problem you think they have right now is just a hypothesis. Until you speak with them, you have no way to confirm whether what you think the problem is, is actually the problem. And for me, talking to them, they will tell you in their own words what their problem is. And you can actually use those words in your marketing messages, right? You can literally turn the words back at them and say, I know you're thinking this. I know you're feeling this. When it comes to business, it's all about emotion and connecting to the person. And so for me, I make sure that my students understand that from the first, like the first couple of modules is you have to talk to your customers or else you cannot move forward. Mm -hmm. So when when you were starting your next business... I'm sure you're like, okay, these are the things that I need to definitely do at the beginning, really research target market, understand where they're at. I'm sure were a lot of them sort of similar to the experiences that you had starting your first business as well. And if you can speak to what some of those are, I think that'd be interesting. Um, Yeah, I would say, so you're saying like in regards to my current target audience, right? Yeah. Like what questions that they had? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same with, yeah, like, how do I start? And like, where do I start? I think when you started a business or two, you take event, you kind of like, you forget where you were when you first started, where mm-hmm. you literally had to Google what what is a business? Like, what is entrepreneurship? Like, how do you even define that? And so for me, I would say the questions are very similar. Like, how do I start? Where do I find my customers? Everyone wants to know, like, where do I find my customers? Because again, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. A lot has to do with pricing as well. Like, how do I actually charge for my business? Where do I go to to figure out if this is the right part pricing? Do I look at competitors? Do I talk to my customers? Is there this secret sauce somewhere hiding in the internet that I have no knowledge of, right? Those questions were definitely all the same. For me, it's like, okay, 
if person A says to do per- this and person B says to do this and person C says to do this, which person do I listen to? Do I try all three and then hope for the best? Or do I, you know, like, how do I really decide which one works best for me? So all of these questions are still the same um, all around how to start, how to scale, how to find customers, how to price myself, how to ensure that I'm actually making money in my business. They're all the same questions that people have. And I think there's a lot of articles online on the internet about it, but it's overwhelming. And so it's like, how do I really find a specific, simple way to really, really start my business? I would say in 2020, it's a lot easier to start a business now, a lot easier than it was before, in my personal opinion. And the fact that there still isn't something out there that makes this really simple for people, where it's still the same old, try this, try that. The old ways are still there and no one really thinks about the new way. And so for me, yeah, the questions are the same. And I feel like I have been able to take my experiences and my learnings and put that into a program to really help my students get the best results as quickly as possible. Right. What are some of the the challenges that you're currently having in terms of growing this and bringing it to people and sharing it in a very simple way? Are there any roadblocks that you've been facing in your business, even within the last six months? I think for me, like the roadblocks would be more of just time. Again, I, I don't have a team. It's just team of one. And I do have a business. Um, I do have a lot of things. Uh, Yeah, so I do have a full-time job. Yeah, I do have things that I'm working on outside of that. I have personal projects I'm working on outside of that. I just, there's a lot that I'm doing that I generally feel like I have to decide which one to say yes or no to in my Mm -hmm. life. Um, And so that's something that I'll feel like is currently, currently like, I wouldn't say stopping me. It's just like, again, I have to prioritize and realize like what is the best use of my time. And so in the past couple of months, I've really been trying to think about, you know, how to automate my business and ensure that I don't have to be working, you know, in that business day in and day out, but like really building out processes and systems in place that would still help me attract clients without me necessarily having to like overwork myself. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, I do, I definitely do have plans to make my first hire, you know, hopefully by end of year. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I think I need one. Um, I just, I'm used to doing things myself and that's something that I've also had to work on. It's just like, if you want to get your business to the point that you want to get it to, you can't do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. And so definitely a lot that I'm planning behind the scenes of letting go of some parts of my business and trusting that I can hire someone to take over. So I can focus on the thing I love doing best, which is teaching my students and really seeing their lives transform Mm -hmm. um, for the better. So you talked about that uh, transformation and really the outcomes that people are looking for in their life, right? So can you talk a little bit about what drew you to helping women and maybe sort of some of the experiences that you've had in your life that really solidify your why and your reason for giving back and and supporting other women on their journey? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's a whole mindset thing. People see me today and they're like, you're so confident. I'm like, am I? (laughs) Right? And I think when it comes to women specifically, believing in themselves is the number one hurdle. I think obviously not knowing how to start is a great one, but they first need to get over the hurdle of that mindset to even say, okay, how do I start? And so for me, my why really comes from that transformation and knowing that I am able to impact another woman's life. And, you know, it's not just about, oh, I can show you how to make money. It's the impact that it has, the ripple effect of that in their business, in their lives, in their personal lives, in, in their future, in their kids. There's just so much that goes into that, that I get genuine pleasure when I see women say, oh my God, like I do believe in myself. I am capable of doing this. And that's the only reason why I do this is to help other women. I always tell my students all the time. I'm like, the money isn't, it's not it. Like 
thank you for paying me. Of course, I'll be happy you paid me, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I want you to believe in yourself. Um, and honestly, when it comes to the teaching industry, there's a huge ripple effect, right? My knowledge helps her start her coaching business and her knowledge helps someone else start something or her knowledge helps someone else do something else to transform their life. And it's just that cycle and knowing that from one person, you're able to impact other people. And I personally believe that this is what God, God literally called me to do is to be this person I am today. And every day I'm grateful and glad that I have a platform. I'm happy that I have women that I'm impacting. Um, it really, truly just makes me happy. So that's my why. Just, that's yeah, that's my why. Yeah, it's a long why, but that's my why. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But, I, you know, oftentimes, even when you were talking earlier about I'm currently in this position, I have advice coming from person A, from person B, and person C. and it's very different advice, maybe sometimes conflicting. Um, mm-hmm. For you, what was your process and even your current process or process from a couple of years ago when it came to seeking advice from from mentors, whether that was in the workplace or even, you know, mentors or coaches that you sought out for yourself? How much of it is listening to advice and how much of it is self-awareness and understanding what your intuition is telling you about the decisions that I need to make or what's that balance been like for you I think the first for me is always Mm self-awareness I need to understand based on where I'm at right now what do I need the most help with and what is what's working and what's not working and I think generally when it comes to like seeking mentors or coaches people just try to go with oh this seems like it's working for someone else so I'm going to hire this coach to help me recreate that. Right. I don't work that way. Um, I'm very intentional on the kind of coaches I, I pay to to help me in my business. And for me, I'm intentional because I am able to have that self-awareness of, okay, as I am here right now, what do I feel like I need help with? And what is that next step for me? And I feel like a lot of people don't generally do that first. And you know, you reach out to a coach or a mentor and you expect them to just do it all for you. But it's like, no, you, you kind of have to understand like where you're at and see, okay, based on what they're going to give me, how can I apply that into my business? And so for me, I've always been very self-aware, especially when it comes to my business. Like right now I'm in another program that I paid five figures for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally paid so much money and I was like, did I just pay that much money? Yeah. I was like, did I just pay that much money for, for, for coach? What? But the reason why I paid for it is because I was self-aware to be like, you know what? I think I'm struggling in this area of my business. And right now, I could take forever to figure it out, but I kind of want to just see if I can, you know, use someone else's blueprint Mm -hmm. and apply that to my business and make it work for myself. And the only reason why I was able to do that is because I already tried doing it on my own and I saw results, but I wanted massive results. And I said, you know what, this process works for me, but I want it. I want to amplify this. And so now I can go find a coach who can help me amplify that. And so again, being self-aware and then deciding, okay, who is the best person to help me? based on where I'm at right now in my business. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, yeah. as you mentioned, the teaching industry as well, some mm-hmm. people get hung up on trying to sell you uh, their lifestyle. And if you don't yeah. have that self-awareness piece, I feel like you'll be kind of looking everywhere. Like, oh, I want a piece of that. I want a piece of this. But but what do you need? Yeah. What do you need in that moment? And I appreciate that about, 
even the way that you market your business and what you offer is is it's not really about victory. Like it's what victory can help you with. And if this is what you're looking for in your life, then and we are we align and we're the right fit and let's work together, right? That's an important thing that yeah. you mentioned. I always talk to my students before I like I always speak to them. I don't just send them to a cart. I talk to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. I understand where they're at what they need help with. If I can realistically help them, I would say yes. If I can't, I would say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I say more no's than yeses because again, I'm not in the business to make money. I'm more in the business to help people. And so for me, like I have to talk to you before I say yes to getting in my program. And that's because it's not about me. Like you said, it's literally about you. Where are you right now? Are you self-aware to understand that this is the next best step for you? If you're not, that's okay. Right. And if you are, great, let's work together. So yeah, I think that's that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. As we start to wrap up, I'd love for you to, this was a question that I asked on my Instagram, like doing sort of a questions poll, because I was really curious. I think as human beings right now, we're going through a lot. And depending on mm. who you are, there's, it could be impacting you or hitting you differently. So I asked folks, and I'd love to hear what your title would be. Like if, if you were to give this chapter of your life, a title what would you call it I would call it blossoming Mm. why (laughs) I'll call it blossoming um I think I am in a phase in my life right now where I have literally prayed for this Mm -hmm. and I think that I am at that point where there is no turning back and I think that, you know, my business is at a point where there is no turning back. I, my personal life, I'm at a point where there is no turning back. And I think that I am blossoming into the woman that I want to be. Mm. And I always tell people, I used to be scared to turn 30. I'm turning 30 next year, but not, th- not this year. I'm still young. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. 30 is young. 30 is young. But I used to be so scared to turn 30. Like, oh, my God, 30 is just like, oh, like, no. I'm at a point right now where I am excited yeah. to turn 30. Good. I'm looking forward to it because of the stage I'm at in my business, in my life. Like in general, I look forward to tomorrow and I look forward to what that has to bring for me. And I'm just at a stage where I'm just so grateful and I am literally excited to see what the next couple of months, the next years will bring. So mm-hmm. really excited. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I remember I remember when I was a teenager, and this is probably the same thing with you, but when we saw the age 30 or interacted with our aunts and uncles who were that age, we're like, whoa, <laughs> you're ancient. Yeah. But I feel like your, your 40s, your 50s are, I was listening to this interview with JLo and Oprah, and they were talking about how those two decades are the best time in their life. She's like, I've never felt more confident. I've never felt more strong and just aligned with who I am as a person. So I definitely, I love that title for you, Blossoming. That's very beautiful. Thank you. My sister's going to listen to this and be like, hey, that's my name. Her name's Blossom. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to be like, ah, you can say victory. It's like, oh, I can't. I don't know if you noticed this. Okay, so you mentioned in your title when you were explaining it that there's no turning back and you said it twice. I don't know if this was like maybe a couple years ago. What would you have been turning back to? Just back to my pattern of, oh, you know, maybe it's just not for me, mm-hmm. not believing in myself. That pattern of just, yeah, going back to thinking it's just not meant to be. Because I, I you know, sometimes I do think about my first business and I'm like, did I quit? Hmm. You know, like, could I, could I have kept going? Did I quit because it just was not what I, the results I was looking for? 
you know, and I feel like right now in my, in my current business, even there are some days when I'm like, oh my God, like this is not working, but I don't quit. I keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think me just telling myself there's no going back is even if I don't hit whatever goals I'm trying to hit, it does not matter. If I can impact one person, that's literally all that matters to me. And really shifting the definition, definition of success has helped me become who I am today. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So essentially not settling, right? Going back and saying, oh, this is not for me. Not yeah. settling. Yeah. yeah, not settling, not looking at what other people are doing, not seeing other people's successes as, as a failure to me, but more just celebrating their success and also celebrating where I'm at right now in my life, in my yeah. business. Um, I think it's very important. So yeah, there's, there's no going back. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you define success for you right now? Success for me is impact. I think before I define success as money. And so whenever I wouldn't hit my, my success, uh, my income goals, I would be like, I didn't succeed. Success for me right it's now. very black impact. and white, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, success is impact for me. And yeah. success is just really being content. I think people don't talk about that enough. Just you being content is it's kudos to you. You should clap for yourself. That's amazing. I think that for me, I had to shift that mindset to really say to myself, it's not really about my bank account. It's about the impact I make and also just being content with. Amazing. And every day uh, I feel for, successful. So, <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's peace. It's oh, being... I love that. I was, I, with some friends, went to a cottage these past two, three days. And I remember being on the water and just experiencing like nothing, but also feeling everything. And mm. I'm like, how do we recreate this? in quote-unquote real life where you whatever you're working on not to say that it won't be stressful but despite what's happening around around you and in the external world that you in inside are good and will be good yeah Um, so it's so important to find that for what you it's going to be different and it's going to change like success at 50 might be different right yeah yeah but that's amazing peace is peace is so important I love that Mm-hmm. I love that. And uh, before I ask you the final question, I want to just acknowledge you. The first time that our paths crossed was two years ago. It was at a Shopify Black Employee Resource Group event that you were hosting for Black professionals in Ottawa. Yes. And I don't know if you remember, but that was. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's where you met Sam as well. It's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And you were hosting the discussion, you were moderating and you were asking all of these questions. And I just remember thinking, like, just thank you. Like, thank you for hosting that space and, and bringing people together in Ottawa, because the reason why it was so important, not just for me, but for a lot of people in the room was that discussion opened up a lot of wow you understand my experiences or those are my experiences in the workplace in in words and coming from somebody else's uh, mouth mm-hmm. which is fascinating but you re- you and the team really created uh, the sense of belonging and just an I see you moment I see you as as a human being and as a person so it's crazy that just you know, a couple hours can, can do that for someone, but it, it's really impacted me. So thank you, Victory. Oh my God. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm sure the team, if they listen to this, they will feel the same way. That was, that was a defining moment for a lot of us there. Um, that was the mm-hmm. first time we did something like that ever. And it was such a 
personal experience and it was so intimate to have people like you in the audience who just really like again people who just get it people who understand like it's not easy being a black person in the tech environment there's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes that people don't talk about so I really appreciate Mm -hmm. you for saying that because it was definitely it was it was it was a moment for us as well so thank you yeah that's amazing how did it feel how did it feel being a part of an employee resource group and what were some of the most interesting conversations that you that you had and experienced um yeah I mean so it was my first was it my first time well it was my first time like being part of the leadership team on an employee resource group I used to work at Accenture and they have an employee resource group but I wasn't really involved I feel like we probably felt like we had the whole world on our shoulders you know we knew that the the things that we wanted to change the things that we wanted to improve on were not for us personally but for people who came after us and I would say that it was it was an, an amazing experience just really learning about yourself learning about the company you're with trying to figure out ways to make sure that that entire experience is is better for everyone across the board um and just hearing from people's personal experiences of you know what they felt like in an environment um, in the work environment being black, you know, my personal experiences in the work environment being black and just a lot of these things that I feel like we couldn't talk to our quote unquote coworkers about. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have that safe space where everyone was like you and felt the same things yeah. that you were feeling. Um, it was it was a great experience. And right now, my company, I don't have an employee resource group because it was so small. Right. <laughs> um, but definitely, I think that you know, having spaces like that in companies, especially tech companies is absolutely imperative. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was a great experience. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks, Victory. And my uh, pleasure. Thank you. And the last question, even though you mentioned it briefly, this is essentially the essence of the show is what's your why? Uh, When shit hits the fan, and you're tired, uninspired, and you know, as you mentioned, those days where you're like, what am I doing? What is really, what is the reason that you keep going? Yeah, for me, um, just the impact and the transformation that I can have on other uh, women's lives is my why. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps me going, getting emails from my students telling me, not even I made money. Those parts don't get me excited. The parts that get me excited are like, oh my God, I just had a mindset shift. Oh my God, I feel so much confident. Oh my God, like those are kind of things that I was just, I would just dance around the living room like, oh my God, like, because I'm so invested. That's my why. That's why I keep going. The days where I feel like, oh, I'm not, you know, where I need to be. I just, I remind myself, is it about you, Victory? It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. God didn't tell you to do this for yourself. And so for me, that's, that's what keeps me going. It's just that transformation um, impact on other women's lives. Thank you. Thank you again. And um, for people who want to connect with you online, what is the best place for them to reach you? My Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I have a website as well, of course, myfirstandlastname.com. But if they want to get in touch with me, they can just follow me on Instagram, send me a DM. I respond to all my DMs. Cool. I'll put all of the links in the show notes for uh, folks to reach out to you. And have you thought about starting a TikTok account? I've seen a lot of a few uh, <laughs> business-related TikToks, and you're funny. And I feel oh my like God. you're great on camera. So I'm going to tell my things- husband you said that. He thinks I'm the only one who thinks I'm funny. <laughs> no, totally. You should start a TikTok. That's so that is essentially the messaging that you talked about here, and also through your through your through your business. I think it would be wildly successful. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally said when TikTok came out or when it was popular, I said to myself, there's no way I'm downloading this app. 
And I knew I'll be addicted to it. That's why I didn't download it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll think about it. I've definitely seen some really creative yeah. um, videos on TikTok. Like I've mm -hmm. seen it posted and shared on other platforms of people promoting their business. So yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe someday. Maybe one we'll day. Maybe one day. If I download it, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Victory, for taking the time to chat today. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Power of Why. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find the show notes at naomihiley.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to The Power of Why on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I look forward to you listening to next week's episode.